Good morning, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Today is Thursday, September 24th. My name is Michael Jordan, and I'm I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. I'm glad to be able to talk with you. And uh, this week, our lectionary texts are looking at the theme of feasting, and we're reading Old Testament texts related to the Jewish feasts, and we are reading New Testament texts that sort of complement those readings. So today, we're reading a wonderful passage, well, all wonderful passages, but uh, the Old Testament passage I find particularly appealing, Esther 9, 23 to 32. Uh, we're also looking at Psalm 63 and 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. And I'll be reading the Esther text for us now. Esther 9, 23 and following. So the Jews adopted as a custom what they had begun to do as Mordecai had written to them. Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast poor, that is, the lot, to crush and destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he gave orders in writing that the wicked plot he had devised against the Jews should come upon his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, these days are called Purim, from the word poor. Thus, because of all that was written in this letter, and of what they had faced in this matter, and of what had happened to them, the Jews established and accepted as a custom for themselves and their descendants and all who joined them, that without fail they would continue to observe these two days every year, as it was written and at the time appointed. These days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, in every family, province, and city. And these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, along with the Jew Mordecai, gave full written authority, confirming this second letter about Purim. Letters were sent wishing peace and security to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, and giving orders that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons, as the Jew Mordecai and Queen Esther enjoined upon the Jews, just as they had laid down for themselves and for their descendants regulations concerning their fasts and their lamentations. The command of Queen Esther fixed these practices of Purim, and it was recorded in writing. So I love, 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 love all the irony in the book of Esther. And uh, I appreciate, um, you know, the, the reminder at the end of the text that um, they were enjoined upon to celebrate the feasts just as they had celebrated the fasts. Remember, that's point, part of what we've been talking about this whole week is how God changes us through the process of feasting. And as we celebrate God's goodness and lean into God's goodness, we begin to intuit God's goodness as really real. So that's really wonderful. Um, but just the irony of the book of Esther and how there's so much irony uh, in it. Um, how Haman, this uh, over-the-top evil uh, sort of man, has this plot in place to destroy the lives of the Jews and indeed to, to wipe them out as a nation, but instead it all comes back on his own head. Um, it's, it's just the classic biblical idea of, you know, what, what others intend for evil, God brings onto them for the benefit of his people. And it's hard not to read that text with just a tinge of vengeful joy, you know, when Haman and the, the other bad guys get it. Um, even though it's kind of a brutal text by today's standards about the punishment that they go through. Um, but, it, but it's a reminder that, of course, Haman wished the exact same thing on God's people, but God would not let that happen because of his deep love 
for his people. I don't think we have a Haman among us today. We don't quite have, uh, again, evil rarely presents itself in such an over-the-top, obviously evil kind of guise like this. But there are many, many, many forces at work which conspire against God's work in the world. Um, there are certainly narratives, I think, on both political right and left, which are very dangerous for us as Christians, which if we lean too far into either one of them, um, can really lead to our ultimate demise. If we fully believe what either political party says about Christians, we're setting ourselves up for destruction. But of course, there's many, many other forces at war um, with the gospel around the world. The wonderful thing to remember is that the God of Purim continues to care for us. And while we can hope that perhaps we will not cultivate such vengeful hearts that seek vengeance against uh, our enemies, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want other people to be hanged and impaled because of what they've done to us, I do want to remember that God cares for his people and continues to make a place for them in a world that doesn't always seem to have a place for Christians. I feel like that's part of why Christians fall uh, into some political traps at times. is because we're very fearful that the world won't have a place for us going forward. We're afraid that if the world changes in one way or another, that we as Christians are somehow going to disappear that somehow the world will be successful in wiping Christianity off the map and making Christianity a memory. And there are certainly ways that political parties stoke that fear, and there are certain ways that there are certainly ways that certain Christians continue to stoke that fear too. But we don't need to be fearful, because we know that the God of Purim, who cared for the Jews in an hour that was far darker than this cultural moment for us, that that God continues to care for us today. And so we can take joy and celebrate knowing that God works on behalf of his people. I don't imagine we see this every day. And I don't imagine it's our daily reality that we, every, every moment or every day, can sort of look up and say, now I see what God's doing. I don't want to rush it. But I think it's wise, just like the Jews, it would take two days a year to sort of remember this reality about who God is that it would come in as a, as a momentary interruption now and again to remember the God of Purim cares for us. The same God looks out for us today. Let me pray for you. God, we are thankful for your love. We acknowledge that your love has sustained us as a people for 2,000 years. And we know, God, that in this cultural moment, which has its unique difficulties, that you are not going to forget us now that we lie safely in the palm of your hand, and that we can lie down and sleep at night because you alone, Lord, make us dwell in safety. We pray, God, that you will remind us through this wonderful story of Esther, entertaining to read, uh, that you will remind us through this wonderful, wonderful story that when hours seem bleak, you continue to care for your people. Drive that deep in us, God, so that we can live as if it's real. Because we can tell ourselves this in our head, but if we don't believe it in our heart, we can't live it out for the world. If we don't believe it in our heart, we'll continue to live fearfully. We'll continue to live in ways that are primarily about self-preservation. But if we know it, if we know that we know that we know it in our spirit, then we can live it out um, in a way that shows the world your love. So we pray that you'll drive it into our spirit so we know it today. We ask all this through Christ. Amen. 
Well, wonderful to talk with you today, and uh, we'll look forward to closing out the week tomorrow and uh, close out our theme of feasting then. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.